Good afternoon. If you would, take your Bibles out and follow along with me this afternoon as we look into something, uh, look at a question that Jesus would commonly ask and a question that we need to ask ourselves. We, we had considered the idea a few weeks back of a, a spiritual wellness checkup. If we, around this time of year, uh, getting into some nicer weather, uh, a little more uh, sustainable weather, not, not going up and down as quite as much as it has in the past. And with that, we, we might be tempted maybe to go in, check with our doctor, see how, how everything is going with us physically. And we need to be willing to do that from time to time with our spiritual self as well. And so we had looked at a question, how, do we, how well do we speak? Uh, if we are going to be looking at our, our lives and looking at our spiritual life that we live, what kind of language are we using that describes our spiritual life? Well, this, this afternoon, I want to ask or look at another question that we might ask ourselves. And it's a, que- a question that is found uh, several times in the book of Matthew. Turn with me over to the book of Matthew chapter 12. And read with me there the question that Jesus asks his dis- uh, in, gives in defense of His disciples. Uh, he says in verse 3, Whenever it was called into defense, or under question, His disciples who had been hungry began to pluck the heads of the grain and eat them. And the Pharisees questioned why they would do that on the Sabbath. And Jesus replies, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? He also said in verse 5 again, Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? This is not the only time that we would find this, uh, this phrase used. Look over in Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19 And in verse 4, he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? Matthew chapter 21. In verse 16, he said to them, Do you hear what they are saying? And Jesus answered and said, Yes, have you never read? Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise. And even in the same chapter, but in verse 42, we read it again there. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the Scriptures? Matthew 22, again we'll find that same uh, uh, question being asked in verses 31 and 32, saying, But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. That's the question I want to look at this afternoon. How well do you read? Uh, is what what I want us to to consider because that question, have you not read, it it suggested the major failing of the people of Jesus' day. This plagued the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees who knew the law. And they knew it well, but but they were not reading the law in order to learn from it. And likely this affects people today and likely it even affects Christians today. And so in in considering our spiritual well-being, we would like to look at ourselves and say, well, how well do I read? And there are different types of readers, just like there are different types of talkers. As we consider what type of readers there are, the first one that might come to our mind are the ones that simply just do not read. Those who have never read, who have never read the Bible, who have never read the Word of God. This includes, unfortunately, a greatest part of the world that have never taken the time to open the Word of God. The little bit of knowledge that they might know from the Word of God comes from what somebody else has told them or something they've heard on the radio or the television. But sadly, sometimes this is the same boat as many Christians, that they have not opened the Word of God for themselves. They have a faith, but the faith belongs not to them, but to maybe their parents 
where it belongs is the faith of their preacher. They just are, are, are blindly following what he says or what their family or their friends or, or some, some authority figure in their life says, and they've never opened up God's Word for themselves. And so what we find in that sort of situation is a nation of people that are biblically illiterate. They just don't have a clue what is actually said in here. And so the things that they, the, the ideas, the concepts that they have about the Bible are founded solely off of what other people have told them. Then we have those that maybe have read the Bible, but they read it very sparingly. They may own a Bible or, or have access to one, but they only read a passage here or a passage there, maybe a passage related to a time of the year. Maybe there's a certain time of the year that they, they feel... Uh, that they should take out their Bible, they should open it up and maybe read about the, the birth of Christ or about the resurrection around Easter time. Uh, but but they, they very sparingly open their Bibles. Their Bible's set collecting dust for most of the year. And again, we find that this creates a problem. Maybe we don't have so much of a, an illiteracy problem there, but we have the fact that the Bible is and, all, and has been for some time, maybe since they started recording this, the number one best-selling book in the Bible in the, in the world, and yet it's one of the least read books in the world as well. We find that people oftentimes will purchase this just to show uh, as an icon of their faith uh, that we can, we can have this book, we can, we can set it on a, on a family table, we can, we can maybe even stick it in a backpack or take it with us, but, but very, very sparingly opening it up and reading it. Now, maybe worse than that are these next two. You think, well, how does it get worse than not reading the Bible or, or only reading it every now and then? Well, there are those who do read the Bible. Sometimes they read it often, but they are very selective in their reading. They only read certain parts of the Bible. Sometimes this is uh, the idea that I'm only going to read the words in red. I'm only going to read Jesus' words or the New Testament is the only thing that applies to me. And, and I've always been baffled by the thought that we can somehow pick up a book and read the last third of the book and have any idea what that third of the book was about without having read the first two-thirds of the book. Uh, certainly we need the whole thing, but there are those that will do that, or sometimes there are those that will pick up and just read the passages that make them feel good. Just read the ones that, that go along with the thought that they have and, and that agree with their thoughts. You have, maybe have sometimes heard of the Jefferson Bible where, where he went through the Bible and he was very selective with his reading. He didn't have to try very hard because the words he didn't like weren't in there anymore. He went in with a knife and he cut those words out and cut those passages and, and whole sections of the Bible out so that when he read his Bible, he was not offended in any sort of way because he was very selective with what was in his Bible to begin with. So you see that some people sometimes just read the Bible to soothe their own conscience or to, to calm maybe a troubled heart. And I say that that is, that is possibly more dangerous than those who read sparingly or maybe even those who who never read at all because it makes it very hard for us to have the, the truth that we need to hear brought into our lives because we're not taking the time to read that. And then there are also those who read defensively. They read to prove others wrong. They've already made up in their mind, this is what I think, this is what, what I believe is right, and I'm going to find the passages in the Scripture that agree with me, and, and those passages are the ones that I'm going to read, those are the ones I'm going to focus on. And the problem with doing that, obviously is that we, we tend to wrestle the Scriptures into our own beliefs and our own thoughts and make it say what we want it to say. Look for anything that supports what we already believe. And one that does that is one that's looking to prove their position in their own mind, but maybe not their position in relation to God. We need to consider that. And then the last one that I want to speak of the, the, as, as far as different types of readers go 
is that those who, who read their Bibles regularly. Now we have some examples of these guys in the Scriptures. If you want to turn over to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8, you have those who read and so that they can learn. Or those who read so that they can better understand. Or those who read so that they can better obey God's Word. In Acts chapter 8, <clears throat> Acts chapter 8, verses 27 through 34, we read about this, this Ethiopian eunuch. As he was traveling along, he was reading from the book of Isaiah. We start reading in verse 27. It says, So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning, and sitting on his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? Now we'll start right there for a minute. Because what we find here in this Ethiopian eunuch is the reason for his reading. He was not reading Isaiah because he had a bone to pick when he got back to Ethiopia with, with another eunuch that said that, that you know, the Jews need to do this or the Jews need to do that. And he, oh no, I'm going to prove to him that my way's right because I'm going to find this passage and I'm going to, I'm going to make, it, make it mean what I want it to mean. What we understand from him here is he is reading in order to understand. Now he is struggling. He's having a hard time with it and he needs some help. But he is reading so that he might learn something about God and about what he needs, needs to do to please him. We see that in the remainder of the story. Philip comes up and, and sits with him. And the place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shear is silent, so he opened his mouth, in his, uh, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And so the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, or of himself, or of some other man? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. So now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariots to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. How do I know that the eunuch was a man that was reading in order to understand? Because I can look at the actions of the eunuch. Because I can look at his response to what he read. He wasn't looking for something that, that agreed with him. If he had been doing that, he would have, he would have found a, his position, and that's, that's all I need to know. I'm good. I don't need to change anything because the Word agrees with me, and I can shut the book and go on. But when, if, when Philip comes up to him, he says, Why don't you come up here and sit beside me, young man? Why don't you help me understand what I'm reading? And as Philip spoke to him about it, he, he said, I've got questions. He was asking questions about what they read, not, not saying, I know what this means, but, but uh, you know, inqu in, inquiring more as to what this was talking about. And then as Philip went from there to preach to him Jesus, he responded to the message that was talked to him. When Philip obviously would have spoke here um, about baptism, and when he hears of this and he hears of the, the, good, the good news that, that is that through Christ and through baptism into his death that you can be free from your sins, obviously he responds to that. He says, I want to be a part of that and why can't I? What's stopping me? So we know after reading the story and understanding the actions of this eunuch that this is a man who, who read in order to understand, not in order to prove a point. Another group that we find over in Acts chapter 17 Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 12 says, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went to the synagogue of the Jews, and these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness. 
and searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. Again, how do we know what kind of readers that the, 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 the Bereans were? It tells us that they were more fair-minded than the, than the Thessalonians. Uh, and that means that they were, they were given to, to fairness with handling God's Word. They were given to fairness with how they listened to the message. But it says that daily, this was their, their regular occurrence. This was something that described their actions on a daily basis. They searched the Scriptures. <clears throat> and they were searching the Scriptures to see if what Paul, an inspired apostle... One who, who has been given the, uh, by the inspiration of God to speak and go to the Gentiles. They're searching His words to see if they are based upon the Scriptures. These are people who could have very easily said, nope, He said it, that's all I need. I don't need to check anything else out. I know who He is. I know what He's been doing. Paul said it. I believe it. That settles it. Well, that's not the attitude they had. They listened to the words of Paul. They studied what God's Word said. They saw that they were in, in connection with one another and that they harmonized and they agreed. And therefore, because of that, in verse 12, they believed. Not because, <coughs> excuse me, not because Paul said it, but because what Paul said agreed with what God had told them through His inspired Word. That should be the dedication. The dedication of the Ethiopian eunuch. The dedication of the, the Bereans. That should be the dedication of all the world, but especially of those that belong to God in regards to reading the Word of God. We might ask ourselves, why is it so important? Why is it so important to be like the Ethiopian? Why is it so important to be like the Bereans? Well, there are several reasons. Several reasons that we can find from Scriptures. One of the first ones that is, is given to us at a very early time in the scriptures, if, we, if you're reading through them uh, from front to back and you get to this book of Psalms, right here smack dab in the middle of the book, the very first Psalm, Psalm chapter 1, tells us right off the bat why it's important to, to have the, a, a good reading habit of the Lord's word. It said, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seats of the scornful. Now he's talking about a progression. A man who walks in the counsel of the ungodly, that is, that walks with the, the advice and, and the help that's given from unrighteous men, is going to eventually start standing and congregating with them, and then eventually you're going to sit down with them. You're going to be a part of them, and you're going to be involved in the seat of the scornful, as he describes it. But verse 2, blessed is the man who doesn't do that, <coughs> but rather his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Blessed is the man that doesn't walk with the unrighteous, but rather meditates day and night on the word of God. And verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. For him who walks with God, who spends a day and night studying from God's will, and what he means by that is that God's will is ever and always on his mind. He's always meditating. As we talked about this morning, we are called to meditate on those things that are pure and noble and, and good. He's always meditating on God's will and on the law which he reads from, from, the, uh, from God's Word. That man is going to be blessed. That man is going to do well. Maybe not do well in a, in a 
secular sense, there might be times which a man like that just doesn't have everything that, that, that everybody else in the world has, but he's still doing well in the eyes of God. He is blessed by the eyes of God. He's going to have everything he needs from the hand of God. Over in the book of Revelation, if we turn near uh, to the last book in chapter 1, it says there in verse 3, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep these things which are written in it, for the time is near. Now these people that listened to the book of Revelation, Revelation and listened, they were blessed. Many of them died. Many of them were murdered. Many of them lost their homes. Many of them starved to death. Many of them were not able to be wed in the sense uh, that, that the Roman government accepted them as a married couple. But God says you are blessed if you hear the words and if you, and if you listen. Because those that heard the words and listened to the words and, and, and dwelled upon them and made that a part of their life, they overcame. They overcame the persecution. They were faithful unto death. And they earned the right to, to, to sit at the, at the, at the table uh, of, the, of the, the feast of the bride and the groom. They earned the right to, to wear the crown of life and to be uh, around the throne of God. So to be blessed, we need to have good reading habits. We also need to be challenged as well. Without challenge in our lives... Our lives can become very, very, very meaningless very, very quickly. But over in Hebrews chapter 4, we noticed this, more, or this passage this morning. We're just going to look at the first half of it, though. It says, The Word of God is living, in verse 12, Hebrews 4.12, The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It is that which is, it is alive and it is powerful and it is able to discern, it is able to cut through everything that we might put in our, you know, the, the words that come from our mouth, the thoughts that are in our head, to the heart of the matter, the heart of our very being, and to give us a challenge to rise to the standard which God has placed before us, which is His authority, and to try and live a righteous life based upon that. Not going beyond, as we talked about in class this morning, and not falling short thereof. It gives us something to work towards. It gives us a challenge. It gives us a purpose. John chapter 6. <clears throat> John chapter 6 and verse 63. We read there, Jesus saying, It is the Spirit who gives life, and flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. It is there by, by the words of, of, of God that we, have, that, that we have spirit and we have life. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul would say that they, uh, they which or the word of God is that which effectively works in those who believe. But again, over in 1 Peter this time. Let's look what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and in verse 23. Starting in verse 22, says, Since you have been purifying your, or purified your souls... In obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The word in which we, we read, the word in which we should be dwelling on day and night is the word that gives forth life, gives forth life eternal and the word that leads us to being born again, even as Jesus would talk to to. Nicodemus about being born again. It is from the Word that we are challenged to come out of the life that we have and into a life that is far greater and far more perfect. 
All spiritual life, all spiritual growth depends upon the reading of the Word of God. But certainly we need to be, we, we desire to be blessed, we need to be challenged, but we also need to be reading God's Word, and it's important for us to do so in order that we might gain understanding. Now, didn't we talk a moment ago about those who read selectively to prove themselves right? That's not what I'm talking about by understanding. Not having the, all the knowledge, not being Mr. Know-it-all and being able to tell you everything that, uh, that there is in the Bible. I know some people, they're like, they're like encyclopedias when it comes to, to Scripture. You can say something, oh, I know book, chapter, verse, know, know exactly where that's found, know everything around it. And if, even though they know so much about the Scripture, sometimes these people seem to be farthest from the understanding of what those verses say rather than just being able to memorize where they are and drag that up. But in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, the proverb writer speaks about the fact that God's Word, God's law, it does more than just give us knowledge. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. Wise men will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What, is it, what do we gain from reading God's Word, from dwelling and meditating and studying it? We gain more than knowledge. We gain wisdom, understanding, justice, the idea of justice and judgment, prudence, discretion. So many things come from understanding and reading and, and, and dwelling upon the Word of God. Over in Ephesians chapter 3, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 3 through 5, Paul says there, that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. What did Paul tell the Ephesians? He said the mystery of Christ, <clears throat> which he would say is really not a mystery at all, is, is, is simply that Christ came, that Christ died, and that there is hope for us in a, a, of a resurrection, of a, of a life eternal with God. But that mystery of Christ, you can know, you can understand by how? By reading. By reading the Word that has been recorded and, and passed down for us. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 15, it says, but, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. They help us to gain understanding in the fear of the Lord. They help us to gain understanding in what wisdom truly is. They help us to gain understanding in the mystery of the good news of Christ. And they help us to understand, uh, gain understanding in salvation. And then if we read the very next verses, verses 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture is given that it's by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that what the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. They give us understanding in the will of God and our role in fulfilling the will of God in this life. Wisdom, truth, and grace and guidance. These are what come from reading God's Word. But of course, there's one more thing that comes. One thing that every one of us desires, or at least we should desire. One thing that every one of us needs in our lives 
over in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. He says, whatever things were written before were written for our learning, as we've talked about, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. It's not hard to see people in this life that are completely hopeless. People that have lost all sense of hope. People that live in despair. People that look at the circumstances around them and ask themselves, what's the point? What's the point of going on? What's the point of trying? People that have given up. God's Word gives us hope. That through reading, through patience, through studying the Scriptures, through dwelling upon the Word of God and meditating on it day and night, we can gain hope. And that there is a purpose. There is a point. There is something for us to do. And there is a great hope for us uh, of eternal life laid up for us in heaven. Back over in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter talks about this. In 1 Peter 1 and verse 13, <clears throat> he says there, uh, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that, has been brought, that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is where our hope lies. Through studying His Word. Through realizing what He is, what He has done, what He is going to do. Reading the Bible sustains our hope in this life for a life that is to come. That's why reading is important. And maybe, maybe, maybe you have been a good reader. Maybe you read every day, but you wish, you know, I wish I could just get a little bit better. I wish I could do better at reading. Maybe you've not read. Uh, maybe the only time you pick your Bible up is, is when you're on your way to services and it gets slung in the back seat of the car and that's where I make sure it stays so it's there when I come back the next time. And you wish to be a better reader. You hear this is out there. There's great importance in reading God's Word. What do I do? Well, there are some things that can help us out. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13, the first thing that, that, we, that I want to look at, and it should be of no surprise to us, if we want to be a better reader, we need to read more. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 13 says, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. That was what Paul instructed Timothy. Till I see you again, you need to spend your time reading and studying the Word of God. You need to spend your time stuttering, studying the doctrines uh, of the Lord. And you need to spend your time building up those around you from what you gain in this study. <clears throat> we need to read God's Word and we should spend time every day. I'm reminded of a story of a young man that made it his goal to read God's Word every day, whether it be for just five minutes when he was in college and he was studying for finals and he said, I, I didn't have much time to, to open, the God, open up the Bible, but I made time. Whether it be just five minutes at the end of the day, before the clock struck midnight, I knew that sometime today I'm going to open this book up and I'm going to read something so that I can read every day. That was his intention. That was his desire. And I think that is admirable for us to try and mimic ourselves after, to read something from God's Word every day. We also need to read devotionally. Turn over to the book of Psalms again, but look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119, look at verses, uh, verse 18. Uh, first, and we'll also look at verse 10. Psalm 119, 18 says, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. 
Whenever we read devotionally, we are devoting ourselves to the reading of God's Word. We are devoting this time to our betterment, to our betterment in a greater understanding and being challenged and being blessed and being renewed in hope. And we need to ask God for that. We should start and stop our, prayer, our, our time of reading with a prayer. Begin and end with prayers. Prayers like that. That as I read, help me to, to focus my mind and see the wonderful things of your word. And by praying that, we're not asking God, you give me some sort of miraculous understanding of what this word says. You make it so that I can understand it without even having to think about it. Just plop this knowledge down in my brain. That's not what we're asking. God, you help me to approach this with a clear heart. You help me to approach this away from my conceived thoughts of what is right and what is wrong. And help me read your word for what it is, the lamp and the light to my path. In verse 10, he says, With, your, with my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. That would be another phrase for us, a great thing for us to pray at the end of a Bible study. God, I have given you everything in this. Help me to retain it. Help me to, to, to remember it as I go forward. And help me not to walk against it. Not to leave the commandments that I have studied for you, uh, from you. We need to read for our personal benefit as well. And I'm going to be the first one to say, that is difficult for me. It's hard for, for, for many preachers that I've talked to to set aside time for personal reading. I can read and prepare for a sermon. I can read and prepare for class and, and for studies. But to put aside some time to read just for yourself. Not to prove somebody wrong. Not to prepare for anything that you know that's coming up. Just to spend time in the law of the Lord. In that which is so glorious and so wonderful, it is worth far more than, than gold and silver. Spend time in that just for yourself. Read devotionally. We also need to read with intent. Look over in the book of Ezra. <clears throat> the book of Ezra coming right before the the book of Nehemiah. We have Ezra chapter 7. And in verse 10, it says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. It's another great thing for us to think about when we think about our, our, our reading and how do I become a better reader? We need to intend to become better readers. That's not something you just do by accident. Nobody gets better at anything just by accident. They set their mind on growing in that and being better at that. We need to do ourselves like Ezra was doing and set with his intent, with his purpose or a goal that I'm going to seek after God's Word. I'm going to know it better than I know it today and I'm going to walk it better than I walk it today. To be a learner, to be a doer, and to be a teacher. That's what James chapter 1 is talking about with those that are, that, are not, that are hearers of the Word but not doers of the Word. They're ones that have not intently searched the Word of God. They may search the Word of God to, uh, to maybe prove somebody else wrong. They may open it out of a sense of obligation. But to intend in that, that the Word of God will work as it's supposed to, to cut to their hearts and their souls and change them and motivate them to follow after it, that takes intent. That takes purpose. Let's be purposeful readers. We also... We also would do well to read and to mark. And I don't have, I don't have a scripture for, for these next two points, but I thought they were good points nonetheless. We need to be those, if we're going to be better at reading, to take what we learn, to take what we read. And some people just like to take a pen and, and, and underline a word, underline a verse, highlight something. I'm, I'll be honest, I'm the first one to say I'm not that kind of person. Because I go back through my Bible, and I've got notes in here, and I flip back to them, and I say, what was I thinking? I don't know why on earth I wrote that word in there. I don't know why I made that little note in there because I don't remember the concept that was going on there. 
So what I like to do instead of that is to take a notepad and to just jot down some things about what I read and about, about what that says and what, what that maybe goes back to in another verse or into another passage, but to mark some things down, to help myself focus on what I'm reading. And the second thing I want to make on that, on that same regard is if we're not going to mark things down, and certainly I'm not saying any of these things are things you, you absolutely have to do to be a better reader, but another thing that has helped me, besides marking things down, is to say them out loud. To read them, to, if, you, if you're ever here one day and you hear somebody talking in the basement, that's me reading. To, to, to just read it out loud and to hear the words myself. That's another way that helps me to maintain my focus and my intention, uh, excuse me, attention on what I'm reading. And I'm, and Holly can, be the, can, can back this up, I'm the first one to lose attention in something. I was on every ADD or, uh, drug that you can think of when I was growing up, and I haven't overcome that yet. My mind drifts and, and thinks about other things. And so when I read and I read the words out loud, it helps me to focus on what I'm doing, what I'm reading. Verlin Klinkenberg, who uh, wrote the book Some Thoughts on the Lost, Lost Art of Reading, said one of the most basic tests of comprehension is to ask someone to read aloud from a book. I thought that, was, that, that, that made a lot of sense to me. That helps me out a lot whenever I'm reading something, to say it out loud and to hold it, comprehend it, to attain, retain it in my thoughts. He also said it reveals far more than whether the reader understands the words. It reveals how far into the words and the pattern of the words the reader really sees. Whenever we read and we want to be better readers, let's take some time to pray before we read. Let's take some time to decide what is the purpose of me doing this? Why am I opening this up? Is it to prove somebody wrong? I need to close the book. I need to pray some more because I'm not ready to, to read this passage yet. Is it for me to grow in what God's will is for me and to be better at, at understanding His Word and at walking in His path? Then I need to make that my purpose and I need to make that my goal that from this reading I'm going to do what I hear and, and follow what I read. The Word of God, as Psalm 109-105 tells us, is such a precious gift. It is the light of to our feet, and a lamp to our path. John 6, we already read in verse 68, says it is, light, or it is the words of eternal life. So, would Jesus say to us, on that day of judgment, might we ever hear the words, have you not read? I pray that that is not the case for any of us. That we read today so we don't hear that at a future date. Have we not read about the gospel plan of salvation? Have we not read about the need to overcome, to remain faithful even unto death? God's Word is filled with instructions for our life. I pray that we will take the charge that was given to Joshua, one that we've read not too long ago, and diligently apply it to ourselves in regards to the Word of God. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says, this book shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. We can see through the book of Joshua how when they followed what they read and when they were reading as they should to follow, that they were successful, that God blessed them, that they did well. But we can also see the times when they were not following as God called them to follow. They were not reading 
In fact, by the time you get to Nehemiah, you find that there were things that ever since the day of Joshua had not been done again in Israel, such as the festival of booths. How do we read? If there is something that we can do this afternoon to help you come to the Word of God and to, to look at it with an intent to follow, in it we find the commands for us to, to give our lives to Christ as our King and as our Lord and as our Savior. To do that, we must repent of the life that we have lived before. We must confess that we believe in Him. We must be baptized into His death. If there's some way which this afternoon we can help you with that, or if having already done so, you have fallen away, maybe you realize you have not been reading the way you, the way you should have, you have not been uh, studying His Word and His will for your life, but you'd like to make changes for that now, you would like the prayers of the saints here. Whatever we can do to assist you in that, please come forward right now as we stand and as we sing.